there is a really know. cool rod attunement today. Man, I just, I'm very excited to see Alan attempt to attune to the rod of intelligence. We will also attempt. Um, yeah, attempt, attempt to the rod of intelligence. That's what I want to say. Sure. Super advantage. I don't know about all that. Uh, you'll notice, chat, that the the chat rewards are disabled because um, we aren't, like, obviously we're not using oceans, but the other ones are not really relevant, like triggering a weather event and stuff like that doesn't really have anything to do with, with the rod, and I feel like There's a we should let this be a, a vanilla mind. run so that we as the players can remember how to just play vanilla 5 it'll, edition. It'll it trigger be. whether or not we watch the video, and it'll, like, it's, like, off, on, off, on, so it's, like, a combat thing. It could be raining that's during that's, Zoth's that's funeral, so, option. you know, the tears of Zoth. <laughs> Uh, no, it, it doesn't rain during Zoth's funeral. Lost like um, Zoth in it, the rain. Because he has a funeral pyre mm. under the open stars. It's very emotional. Ah, that is very emotional moving. Um, I like your What are the better. options of all options? The other thing we're going to do tonight is um, we're going to meet your <laughs> chat. You can't control the shoulder angels, but if you give advice, you can be another shoulder angel. Um, <laughs> that's fine with me. Um you can just be a, a random shoulder angel there. You can be a little will I could be your <laughs> shoulder angel, baby. Um, the oh, other no. thing we'll do is we'll talk about the, the next <laughs> arc with Alan and we'll meet the potential new characters because Alan and Radford are returning for this next little mini arc. But we don't know who will be accompanying them. And Alan is actually going to be interviewing prospective adventurers to... Um, to determine who's going to fill out his team. So we have a couple of different options from, from each of our players. However, in case they totally spent all the time they needed preparing and don't need any more information, uh, I still have some information for you, chat, that I'm sure the players don't need. Um, but about the, the arc, basically, like Session Zero stuff. So I'm going to do that first so that just in case um, Cleo and Trevor need to you know, refresh their characters, they have a chance to do that while Alan's attuning. <laughs> Um, just in case they, I'm sure they don't, but just in case, um, I got so all my let's paperwork. talk about, <laughs> let's talk about the mini arc first. So here's the one line thing for what's coming up. Alan's hiring three adventurers. Well, really Alan and Radford are hiring two adventurers to help save do Bumblefoot from the abandoned Hematitian city of Nowood in the dangerous Urida Southlands. The goal then is to rescue do Bumblefoot, the final avatar imprisoned by the Aboleths and escort her safely to the domain of Thraxenhow, the ice uh, dragon who lives in the West where the other avatars have been safely hidden away. We know Setonia and Garlel are both there. Larodith is here like in Gaim. So she can either come with you or you can pick her up on the way or you can leave her, whatever you decide to do. Um, why this arc matters, you need to do Bumblefoot alive to perform the cataclysmic ritual. She has a key piece of the puzzle, um, and the, the cataclysmic ritual is the key to destroying the Atlas once and for all. Excuse me. I have six truths prepared for you. These are things your characters might well, should already know about the world, but you as the players might not know. These are things that might influence the characters you make or the decisions you make. First, the Southlands of Urida and the ancient mountains to their east are a sort of adventuring haven full of relics and so-called dungeons from the decaying relics of the old Hematitian civilization. The Hematitians abandoned this, this area in like early second era. So there's been like a thousand and something years of decay and, and whatnot. Um, Two, the Southlands are the least civilized col slash colonized part of Urida, and even before the Darkening, they were host to numerous monsters, crazy wizards, and other nightmarish horrors. A bustling adventure guide trade exists in this area from the small villages that surround it, where they help adventuring parties navigate to the dungeons that they seek. 
Uh, number three, the Darude, a tree-like variant of the Hematitians, have a city called Nostone that exists at the upper tree line of the mountains. They are regarded as a reclusive, peaceful race who live in perfect harmony with the world around them, kind of like if Lothlorien and the Ents had a baby. It would be uh, the Darude civilization. And a little bit of Groot. Uh, and yeah, bit. maybe a tiny bit of Groot. Yeah. Just a little bit. Uh, number four, the climate is harsh all year in the Southlands and the environment is deadly. No matter what time of year it is, you will not gain the benefits of a long rest unless you take the time to actually construct or seek out a shelter to rest in. A shelter being defined as a structure with a roof and four walls to keep out the wind, rain, and wild creatures and it should be heated. Number five, Dew Bumblefoot is a Wheatling avatar of Zanir, god of order and the stars. Unlike the other avatars, Dew never really ventured away from the holy city of Oat, which she purified and protected for about a thousand years before vanishing in the darkening. And lastly, Alan's historical study has turned up a rumor. At the top of Nowood, there is rumored to be a scale of stars, an artifact that is an actual piece of Zanir's essence left in the world. Yeah. Um... There are some character creation guidelines here, which the players have already seen and we've actually talked about, I think, last week on stream. But just to run through them really quickly, um, all classes are on the table. Remember that with magic gone in the darkening, unless Alan successfully attunes to the rod, classes with spells can't use spells. Spell-like effects work. Um, spells do not. Uh, you're They're level 9. Alan will be level 10, just like Fox was level 10 and his companions were level 9. Um, terrain you can expect. Forest, mountains, and cave-type terrains. Um, it doesn't matter what backstory you come up with for your character. They must have a vested interest in solving the darkening and genuinely intend to be part of the team. No turncoats. Uh, Cleo has a hand up. What's up? Can you, can you define the difference between spells and spell like, like give an example, uh, in the player's handbook, if something is called a spell like effect, then it's a spell like effect. Oh, is that, and if is something it just is called a spell, that's like an actual terminology. They oh, use never mind then. In the player's handbook. I'm just... Also, uh, if it is a class feature that is not defined as a spell, then you can use it. So, for example, some classes say things like, you get the ability to cast spell X three times a day. It doesn't count against your spell slots. That does not work. Other class features might say something like, um, you can. Um, I don't know, commune with animals twice a day or speak with animals twice a day or something like that. That doesn't say it's a spell. That would be a spell-like effect or a class feature, so that would work. Okay. Um, yeah. In short, spell-like effects are things that you can do that mimic the effect of a spell for non-magical reasons. Right. Right, right. Um, okay. As level nine adventurers, you are adventurers of some renown. So in addition to the starting equipment that you would get as creating your character at level one, you have also accumulated a great deal of wealth and interesting items throughout your travel. You are understood to have been alive before the darkening two years ago. So um, you may opt for either three common minor and two uncommon major or three uncommon major magic items. It is understood that with your accumulated wealth, you have gone to the Bright World Company, as is fashionable these days for all collectors of rare magic items to do, and had them retrofit your devices with cipher power. Your wealth allows you access to enough wingle digits to use these items as described in the source material with the following limits. You can't do anything that has to do with other planes. There is still no weave. Um, they can no longer function without wingle digit power. If you're robbed of all your worldly possessions, those, those things won't work unless you get your money back too. 
And three, they are now vulnerable to ciphers of dispel magic for 1d10 real-world minutes. Think of it like a sort of temporary EMP. So if someone were to use a cipher of dispel magic near your magic items, you would roll the d10, and that would determine how long it takes for it to begin working again. Cipher items. Um, that's right. Can you and oh. lastly, uh, can you ahead. list off what how many of each type we could have again, real quick? No, but I did DM you a link to everything oh, okay. I'm reading, uh, or not DM, but it's in the um, the chat. Perfect for four guys. Um, and lastly, notable house rules. Uh, we're taking away a house rule that we have sometimes used, sometimes not used regarding crit successes and fails. Um, you no longer need to roll to confirm, and they will no longer be accompanied by the dope narrative benefits. They will simply be combat critical hits or combat fumbles. Um, you can choose to roll again for a coup de gras. This is something they did in 3.5. I took it away. It came back. Um, if you roll a nat 20 and you go for the coup de gras, you can roll again. If you get a second nat 20, you drop the character you're attacking to zero hit points regardless of how many hit points they have now. But if you fail, you miss. Like, you don't do any damage at all. Um, and long rest. We already talked about this once, but you will not gain the benefit of a long rest in the Southlands unless you take the time to actually construct or seek out a shelter to rest in. If you're indoors in a cave, whatever, that's different. If you are outside exposed to the elements in the mountains or the woods or whatever, then you would be under those, those conditions. So... That's all the Session Zero stuff. That's basically uh, an introduction to the arc that's coming up. Um... Before we get to that arc, we first need to take some time to zoom back in on the dwarvish city-state of Gaim. Gaim, again, is this massive city-state that's been built into a cavern. And the cavern, cavern is not the right word. Cavern implies a large cave. This is gigantic. This is several miles by several miles by several miles. Um, the, the, the cavern is, I believe, 1,200 or 1,500 feet tall, something like that. Um, we did work out the math, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. Um, but there are 10 tiers of Gaim, and each of those uh, consists of pendants that are these huge structures that are suspended from the, the ceiling or the tier above them by big steel cables. And those are like city blocks, like a whole city block is just hanging there. And then they're connected by these great aqueduct-like bridges with these huge arches that go the whole way down to the bottom of Gaim. Um, down at the bottom of this city-state there is the royal palace of Gaim, where um, Caitlin, daughter of Salen, queen of Gaim, lives, and where Salen herself, queen of Gaim, lives. And in that palace, there is an underground bunker, a safe room of sorts, where Larodith has been... Um, cloistered is the wrong word, but um, taken for safekeeping and then surrounded with as much knowledge as she could lay hands on. She has three years of missed history since she was imprisoned by the Aboleth, since the Darkening happened. She was imprisoned on you know the day of the Darkening. Since then, she's had no knowledge of what's going on in the world. So she's been reading up on current events. She's been um, studying you know, Sacrium and Wingle Digits and all those things. She is hungry for knowledge, an avatar of the goddess of trade and innovation. And in that same room today sit Owlin and Radford. Now, you've had other Four Guys Ventures and Vibes duties to attend to, but since the funeral for Zothkug yesterday, uh, no one's really been doing anything. Um, but Owlin has been really forced to confront the fact that, um, in his own words, Owlin feels responsible for what happened to Zothkug. And now, sitting in front of you on the table, there is a one-foot-long scepter that 
uh, used to be carried by Jebediah Peppermint. It was part of his blunderbuss. It's been to the Umbral Sea where it was sent back with Laredith, um, returned to the group, kept set aside for Jeb when he totally came back. And then after Fox and Alan sort of went their separate ways, now Alan is here sitting with the responsibility of feeling what's happened to Zothkug. And so he and Laredith and Radford sit around a table looking towards the scepter. And I don't know, Alan, take us into your headspace. How's Alan feeling? You know, is he is he excited? Is he trying to gather his courage? What's going on? Well, I I I just don't see any other way. Um we don't have anyone here who's attuned to any of the rods that we currently have anymore and um i can't help but feel that if i or someone was attuned to this rod of intelligence that the process of of trying to save zoth could have gone differently um and that just it doesn't bode well for the future unless one of us and I feel personally responsible and I am willing to take on the burden um, attunes to this rod. What's your agitation? Well, uh, my main hesitation is time. Um, from speaking with Jeb back when he attuned to it uh, and obviously from the evidence of what we saw, the cost of of attuning to this rod is time something that we don't have as much of as we wish we did um in this fight against the aboliths and so my hesitation is just that if i attempt to attune and either fail in small ways along the way or fail completely that we will lose too much time is there anything that you could uh do to prepare a little better well, um, DM or Wash, uh, did Jeb write about uh, his experience attuning to the rod in the uh, in his journal? Yes, he wrote down his full experience specifically for Alan. Specifically for Alan, okay. and it was on the back of his letter that he gave you. Okay. Well, um, I, I've been studying this, and... Alan will show the the part of the letter that has that. And um, I think this is the best way I can prepare. And it seems as though Jeb intended for this to happen if things went wrong. So. Well, don't worry about uh, out here. It's the best. Don't I can worry do. about out here. Out here is going to be fine. I'll take care of everything out here. Um, okay. I don't know who else would be a good candidate, except for maybe Laredith, but I don't know if, how that would work even, but you have my full confidence, boss, and uh, Laredith straightens her glasses. She looks up from the stack of papers she's been reading as she's always reading these days. She says, you must understand that uh, attuning to an item of this magnitude is a very dangerous task. I would not want you to undertake it lightly. The cost of, of each artifact 
is specific to the the power held within it. When it comes to this artifact, according to your companion Jebediah, the cost is time, the most limited resource for a creature motivated by his or her intelligence. And so you must understand that whatever challenges it faces you with, for each time you fail and begin again that challenge, it will cost you a lot of time. In Jebediah's words, it costs one month for every failing. You got this. And according to his words here, to begin, you simply take the scepter in your hands, hold it vertically, and begin focusing on it. She sets her paper down and watches you intently. Well, um, in that case, I guess we shouldn't waste any more time. And Alan will take the rod in his right hand and begin focusing on it. It feels cool to the touch, but not dangerously so. As you lift the rod of frosted iron into your hand, it's a... um, a little bit heavier, denser than you might have expected um, for for a rod of this construction, and specifically for something that's this small. It feels like it's carrying more weight than, you know, just one rod should carry. And as you focus on it, uh, time for you freezes. The world around you sort of vanishes from your awareness. Radford and Laredith watch as Alan sort of becomes rigid in place, frozen like a statue. And Aulin, you begin your attunement process. Um, you can summon your shoulder angels at any time uh, as you as you see All fit, right. just so you know about it. <clears throat> can Jeb's shoulder angel act as him remembering uh, what Jeb wrote to him? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the challenge in here won't be anything like your experience with Jeb. Okay. So. Um, okay. You feel the tightness of the harness before your vision clears. Leather straps brace your torso, clipped to something above you? A a rail? Yes, a track of some kind, allowing you to move throughout the small room without being sucked out of the windows by, by something. The wind? Why is it so windy? Your vision finally begins focusing, and out of the darkness materializes the creaking wooden frame of a small room, perhaps 20 feet by 20 feet. Along one wall is a chest containing many artificer's tools and a single rudimentary medical kit with bandages, iodine, and a few water skins. Your harness attaching you to the ceiling where an iron crossbeam allows you to navigate the full 20 by 20 space. There are four windows, one on each side of the structure, and beyond them you see the the sky. You are falling in a small wooden cage of some kind. Beneath each window is another small iron beam with a large decorative fabric banner trailing in the wind, in this case, vertically. Four large metal rivets pierce the wooden ceiling of your cage, implying that something is attached to the top of it. Centered between those rivets is a lever that moves from one end marked with a snowflake to the other end marked with a flame. But the lever is stiff, and the runes are not glowing. Leaning out the window, you can see a large mass of canvas connected by four thick iron chains to your wooden room ceiling, twisting and tangled. It is dark beyond your walls. You have no concept of height, speed, or trajectory without further study of some sort. You can see clouds whizzing past as they reach into the 60 feet of dark vision that you possess. What do you do? Um, If Alan were to uh, 
Would he have any um, background knowledge of how the concept of a hot air balloon works? Uh, probably not. Uh, this is probably not okay. something he's seen before. I'm going to add a, the first die to the tension pool. Um, can Alan further investigate uh, what is wh what sort like the fabric or the, the things that's being tied up above the cage? Uh, sure. Uh, what kind of skill does he want to use? What's he What's he trying to do here? He's trying to investigate the per the purpose of it. An like investigation what, check what on the canvas is. above. Sure, go ahead and roll yeah. investigation. It's not a good roll. That's a uh, ten. Okay, Alan kind of leans out the window as far as he feels safe doing, and the harness will allow. And you can see these twisting sort of fabric things. It looks like if it unfurls, it might create a sort of parachute or or glider of some kind. Okay. Um, can he? Uh, look at uh investigate like a way some any sort of mechanism that's designed to unfurl the fabric uh yeah sure he can look around for that um that could be a perception check or an okay. investigation you recall dirty 20 dirty 20 uh there does not seem to be any tool that exists uh inside that is built for the purpose of untwisting the fabric above you what is connected to like so there's a lever that has the um the the froth like the snow logo and the and the flame um can you further investigate what that does uh yes like what what that's connected absolutely. to absolutely yeah um are you going to use an investigation check again yeah is that okay that's fine <laughs> 16 I, you're going to be telling me what checks you're using and which skills you're tapping cool. into great um 16 on the investigation 16 on the investigation uh okay your investigation of the lever. Uh, it, it seems like the lever is um, maybe doing something magical. Um, you're not sure exactly what the magical purpose is without some further study, but you think that if you the lever is probably related in some way to what's above you because obviously it's on the yep. ceiling um, and its purpose is magical. Uh, Alan would like to look at the tools that are available to him, the artificer's tools. What What is over there? Uh, it is a, all manner of artificer's tools. So whatever okay. he might be looking for will be will be available there. Okay. Um, I'm going to roll the next complication die. Uh, does Alan have uh his eldritch cannon on him in this dreamscape in this magical no alan area. has none of his own materials okay um hmm alan would like to the wind whips by <laughs> i'm adding another tension die alan would like to Take the artificer's tools um, and see if he can use uh, perhaps, gosh, um, Arcana um, to judge the magical nature of the... Um, of the the mechanism again and with the artificer's tools readily available his next action after the arcana check would be to like try to use it to okay so let's roll arcana. or yeah 16 16 the runes um of the snowflake and the fire indicate that the lever is controlling the amount of heat being generated above it 
Um, and as he figures that out, Alan realizes, okay, so above me, you know, the hot air moves up. This must be. And so he kind of intuits how a hot air balloon is meant to work. Um, you also are able to um, understand that, okay, so this lever is controlling the intensity of a rune opposite the lever on the top of the roof. That rune mm. has been damaged, and that's why we are in free fall. I'm going to roll the next tension die. That's six, so okay. I'm also going to clear the pool. Alan would like to use perception to see if he can find... No, investigation, to see if he can find a, a a way to get up to the top or reach the top to repair the room. Okay, Alan would do that, but as he's um, trying to figure it out, um, the, the, the craft rocks and creaks in the wind, and Alan actually loses his footing a little bit, giving him disadvantage on his next check. So okay. um, go ahead and roll your investigation with disadvantage to see if there's a way out and around. Dang it. The first one was a natural 20, but an 18 is good, too. Okay. Um, with an 18, Alan is able to see that, yes, you could, like, the structure is not that tall and the roof is not thick. So Alan could reasonably climb onto the roof, but he would need to disconnect from his harness, risking falling. Okay, that's fine. He will do that. Okay. Um, uh, next round, so I'm going to roll attention die. Great. Alan disconnects from his harness and climbs outside. Um, you notice as you climb onto the roof that it looks like the bulk of the clouds are above you now. Um, you're not sure. Right, Again, you can't see more than 60 feet. Haste. But <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. You are now standing on the roof and you can see sure enough on the ground uh, or on the on the roof, I should say, is that rune um, that has been damaged. There are two large scuffs through it as if maybe some kind of falling debris hit it or maybe a bird flew into it and kind of scraped it with its talons. And above you, the the four sort of large cables are twisted together that are um, making the the parachute unwell. Ah, okay. Uh, first, he's going to attempt to untangle the cables. All right. Uh, how? Uh, he's going to investigate um, if there's a, a, like a weak point to it where he can like look at the knot or the twist and like find a specific point to basically take hold of and untangle Excellent. It. Roll that investigation. 15. 15. Alan is able to successfully intuit the way the knot is, is kind of forming. And so he's able to find like, Oh, here's the one string where if I pull that piece, the whole thing yeah. whoo, unfurls. And with a snap, the uh, rate of your fall slows. It's not enough to like, okay. if it hits the ground, it's going to be bad. But, you know, it yeah. is now, the wind is holding it open. So you're not too worried right. about it tangling again. So next he'll use Arcana to repair the rune uh, as much okay. as he can. Like, uh, which is like, um, attempt to use the artificer's tools to kind of like smooth over the scrapes in it and then also recarve the the rune into Make it. Make an artificing tools intelligence check. Okay. I got to do some math. Uh, 15, 19. 19. Okay. Alan is able to repair the rune. Um, you can, at this point, hear the sound of your fall bouncing off of the mountain to the side of you or something like that. You know, like you're, okay, you're approaching gonna, <laughs> the ground. The whistle is getting As louder. quickly as possible, he's going to get back inside and crank that lever. I'm going to... Roll attention die. Uh-oh. Uh, Alan is on his way back inside. Um, the turbulence buffets you off of your feet, costing you around as you um, you you no. catch yourself, but you like you're, you're just hanging on for a little while before you can get back in there. So I'm gonna roll one more tension die. 
um, you can see the ground. You are within okay, 60 crank feet the of lever, the ground. Crank the lever. Alan's going to throw the lever as hard as he can towards the heat. And um, I need a wash. I would like you to roll a percentile die. And don't tell me what you got just yet. Okay. Wash, you need below a 20. What did you get? You're muted. You're muted. I got 22. With a um, bone juddering crunch, ah. you feel the wooden the wooden structure smash into the ground. Alan blacks out for a second, and then when he opens his eyes, you are in. You hear the wind whipping by. The craft is falling, and you are again up in the sky. Okay, uh, first move is going to be uh, grabbing the artificer's tools. Okay, Alan grabs the artificer's um, tools. I'm going to roll the tension Second, die. Second move is going to the roof of the of the craft or the cage again. Great. Uh, Alan's going to climb up to the roof of the craft. Um, you're, so you're unclipping yourself to climb up there. I'm going to roll yep. a tension die as you make that climb. Great. Uh, you climb up there. That's three die in the tension pool. Um, and okay, you're up there now. It looks he's going to double check everything that everything is back looks to how the same it was the first time. So the, okay. the straps are all tangled and the rune is damaged. Okay, he's going to attempt to untangle the straps the same way he did last time with kind of a precise uh pull. Okay. Um let's roll the same check you did last time then, uh which was I believe okay. an investigation. Investigation, yep. 23. Uh, yeah, easily able to find the you've done this once before now, you know, easily finds the string. Yep. Pulls it the thing unfurls. We roll a tension die. Um, let's see. Ooh, okay. Um, with a loud snapping noise, the rushing wind pulls your untethered harness out the window and flings it away. It seems to have been yanked off of the iron beam. Um, okay. You're, <laughs> Alan's going to shrug and be like, <laughs> I didn't need it anyway. Um, uh, and then Alan's going to attempt to once again, smooth, use the artificer's tools to smooth over the damage of the rune and redraw the rune. All right. Artificing tools check with intelligence as the modifying ability. Uh, 21. 21. You successfully repair the rune and we add the fifth die to the tension pool. And then we're going back into very carefully without the harness now. Okay. Uh, back into the cage and then throwing the lever. Alan climbs in. That's the sixth die. So I'm going to roll that one and clear the tension pool real quick here. Okay. Uh, as Alan climbs in, one of the boards that he's using to hang on to snaps off the frame and flies away. There's now like a hole in the side of it. Um, make a strength um, strength save to catch hold, or you can use athletics if you feel like you do better. Natural at that. 20. Natural 20, easy peasy. Beep, beep, beep. Alan catches hold and doesn't even lose a round over it. Um, as the, the wood flies away, um, you, can, you can kind of feel the structure shaking and, and being unsteady, and the wind is buffeting it, but it does not cost you disadvantage this round. Okay, Alan's going to throw the lever. Throw the lever. Pull the lever, crunk. Uh, you feel yep. the heat, even though it's mostly emanating upwards, just a little bit of it seems to be coming downwards, as if whoever crafted this realized that at high altitude, it's freaking cold. And you feel your, you know, your shivering skin begins to slowly kind of ease up as the craft begins to slow its descent. 
Wash, I would like you to roll a percentile die. You need to roll lower than a 90. That scared me for a moment. <laughs> I said 91. Well, it's, it said 99, but then I realized it was 66. Oh, <laughs> nice. Um, and so, Alan, you are able to slow the craft down. Um, you're now sitting kind of suspended in space. Jeb's shoulder angel pops up on Alan's shoulder. Hey, good job, pup. You really, you really figured that uh, out. Thank you. Um, according to what you wrote before, um, sadly, that did cost one month. Um, I'm not sure what the next task necessarily is, and Alan will kind of uh, here. Okay, there's the medical pack. Can Alan investigate uh, the area around him now? Like the this, like whether there seems to be an. He's looking for an obvious place where he's supposed to guide the craft for the next thing. Yeah, so you can only see 60 feet, and you're higher than where the ground is in the 60 feet. But maybe there's a different way that you could calculate you know, the distance to the ground or something like that. Ah, uh, nature, nature check. He's going to try to nature check, okay. kind of figure out his bearings. Yep. Go ahead and roll nature. Okay. 19 plus seven is 26. Exceptional. Um, you are able to calculate the distance to the ground. It seems like you're probably about four rounds of controlled descent over the ground. And based on the trajectory you were following, it does seem like when the balloon stopped flying of its own accord and began falling that it was falling towards a point almost as if it was kind of guided towards a certain spot where it wanted to land and that point now would be mostly straight down from you like you wouldn't need to generate wind or anything to get where you need to go well uh i think now is a time to wait and alan will like sit at the base of the craft and um he'll he'll uh summon not just jeb but his other shoulder angels um if they if they want to if they want to participate if they're there to be summoned um and just uh say well um i'm trying to you know one thing think about one thing i always do in these little downtimes is check my pack take stock of what i have available hmm Yes, that is a that is a great idea. And Alan will he he had previously like reached for his belt to see whether he had his Eldritch Cannon, um, but he'll also kind of just like check, you know, all all of him just to see whether he has any any other items, whether they're his previous items or new items for the specific test. Uh, you have none of your inventory, but as you're kind of checking over yourself, you find that you are wearing a plain blue tunic and trousers that are tied with a sort of light rope sash and they have a set of runes that you don't recognize written along the like down one shoulder and down the left um like you know it's it's like a t-shirt length sleeve but like it kind of goes down that left sleeve and um the the sash where it is tied um the knot has the emblem of zanir on it hmm um, can he use Arcana to to see if he can find even if it's not runes that he recognizes? See if he can draw some some connections to other runes he does recognize to see if he can guess what it is. Sure. Ah, uh, that's only an eleven. 
Uh, no, Alan is not really able to decipher the runes that are that are written on the tunic. Well, it seems as though I don't have any of my previous items or things with me. Um, but this this tunic and belt is uh, quite unique. With a gentle, you feel the craft set down into almost like a slot. Like it clicks into place and you feel the floor kind of latch um, as if it's set down on like a pressure plate that was waiting for it or something like that. And these little clamps thud against the outside of the structure. Um, it is still dark out. But now within the 60 feet of your dark vision, you can see that um, all around you is just sort of grassy plain fading off into the, into the darkness. And in the floor of that grassy plain, there appears to be a trap door with the emblem of Zanir on it. Alan would like to go up and investigate the trap door. Sure. Roll some investigation. You know. Uh, 16. 16. Alan uh, does not identify any traps. The door appears to be unlocked, but you see a, a rune on it that it looks like is designed to prevent materials that are not, um, like basically it has the same symbols that are on your tunic. So it's meant to like mm. only the things with this, you know, insignia or whatever it can come through. Well, I, th I assume that means I'm going the right direction. And Alan will open the trap door and, uh, follow whatever stairs or um, things are behind it. You open the trap door and you jump into the dark space beneath and land on a soft dirt floor and find yourself in a hallway. You walk down that hallway about maybe 10, 20 feet and you find an iron door, same emblem, same etchings on the side of it. You swing that door open and you find that you have entered what appears to be some kind of arcane manufacturing space. Rune-carved gears and machinery glow all around you. You see partial humanoid shapes in various states of assembly, some of the machinery still frozen in the act of production, you know, little arms over tables that might be assembling these constructs or whatever. A large glass panel and console dominate one of the nearby walls. A plain stool sits in front of it. There are two nearly completed constructs on the table, each one a rune-carved skeletal frame lit by a pulsing red arcane core. Each is partially coated in a different material, one with a crackling coat of malleable glass and another with dark, dull iron. The bodies are humanoid, but the heads look distinctly ursine. On the far side of the room is a gargantuan waste bin full of half-destroyed constructs. The room's only exit appears to be a faintly shimmering doorway that opens into a chamber filled with green gas. Beyond the gas, you can barely make out another such doorway. The edges of the first doorway are covered in signs that read danger and warning in a variety of languages, including some that you speak. And above the door in common is a sign that reads in bold letters, Extreme Environment Testing Chambers. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Alan would like to go to the, like the stool, like the workbench or whatever that you described that has mm -hmm. the two um, uh, guys, you the know, assembly line, guys basically. over there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he would like to, uh, roll, he, he would actually like to roll history to see whether he recognizes, um, any, any of the elements here, like, uh, the way that the assembly line functions or, um, the, like, if he's, if he even recognizes like, oh, these constructs have been used for such and such thing, like whether they, they seem familiar at all, like he can glean the function from things he knows about. 
constructs and their usage in the past. I don't know if that makes any sense. That's a nat 20. Dang. <laughs> uh, Alan has not seen anything like this before, but he has seen assembly lines before. And okay. it's pretty easy for Alan to intuit that most assembly lines have a central controlling process or procedure. Mm. Um, and in this case, this room, like I said, that one that one wall is dominated by that, that sort of uh, console and glass panel and, and whatnot. It seems like that might be where where a lot of the control is coming from. Okay, in that case, he would like to read the glass panel. Okay, the glass panel is currently blank. Oh. Hmm. Um. He would like to. You said there's runes on the uh, um, on the constructs. On the constructs and on the console, actually. Oh, then he'd like to use Arcana to decipher the runes on the console. Go ahead console. and roll your Arcana check. Ah, uh, that's not that great. Fourteen. Uh, a fourteen is enough for you to figure out that the the runes appear to be a startup sequence. And by pressing mm. them in the right order and, and manipulating the console, you are able to activate the glass screen, revealing a magical display detailing the construction of golems using up to five layers of various materials. Your options ah. are glass, flesh, stone, iron, and crystal. The interface is simple and easy enough that anybody can operate it. Alan's able to intuit all the different things that it does. It's marked clearly, and most of it is written in common. Um, and the screen also displays live visuals of not just two testing chambers, but more than that, each of the testing chambers. And it's clear that a construct can perform simple tasks like open the door at the end of um, a chamber or pull a lever or whatever, if directed to do so using this interface. Um, using these sort of, for lack of a better word, camera angles, uh, you can see that beyond the doorway, there are five environmental testing chambers for the constructs. Uh, the first one appears to be full of like a, a, a green mist, like we talked about, a sort of acidic mist. Um, the next room is full of a swirling whirlpool of water. The one after that has these little pipettes coming out of the ceiling that are filling it with continuous gouts of flame. And then following that, there are um, highly conductive shimmering metal surfaces all over the room, walls, ceiling, floor. Um, and you can see like, you know, little sparks sort of coming off of them. And in the last room, you can see these sort of, it, it almost looks like um, like necromancy type runes, like the kind of things you you would see, you know, written in a circle around a grave or something like that. These, these are sort of cursed dark runes um, that uh, seem to be sort of, I don't know, just spooky, uh, big spook. Okay. And in that final chamber with the cursed runes, it also looks like there's an emergency shutoff valve that might disable all five chambers of their hazards and a maintenance door okay. that would allow you to continue further into the structure. So there's five rooms and five layers that you can do? Yes. On the Okay. So Alan will summon his shoulder angels, and he will say, um, it seems as though with these five connected rooms and these five layers uh, that you can construct these golems of, the test is what order of the layers you should <coughs> place them in so that for each room, success, for each succeeding room, uh, the golem may pass through uh, and survive. Um, I will have to think 
hard, and I would love your guys' help about uh, <coughs> which material may correspond to which hazard. So I believe we should start with the innermost layer being the last room. And so uh, what's the hazard in the last room? The necrotic uh, in energy. In the last rune, it's like spooky, like cursed runes. Necrotic energy. And then what are, what are the options for layers again? Uh, your layers are... Glass, flesh, stone, iron, and crystal. I don't know, man. When I um, think of... Uh... As far as the necrotic energy room, um, I would think... Like, when I think necrotic energy, flesh is the first thing that I think of. However, I'm not sure whether that would necessarily counteract the necrotic energy or if the goal is to um to conduct the necrotic energy but i would think in that case unless one of you has a drastically different opinion that flesh would then be the corresponding innermost layer. hey man uh necrotic damage kills life and uh one of your options is life ish so that's just my four cents. So I think we, I think you need to determine whether you're going to cancel out the effect of the room with opposites, or whether you're going to survive it. Hey man, I think surviving is always the answer. I would think surviving is also the answer. So um, then I think so. Like in, crystal would probably be the opposite of necrotic, kind of like a uh, like a light magical type thing as opposed to a dark magical thing well then in that case let's let's surmise that our innermost layer will be crystal might be able to rule some of the other ones out with process of elimination too yes we can we can now what's the second to last room electricity these yeah electricity um well what is the once again this goes into the idea of is the idea to conduct the most electricity mm -hmm. or withstand electricity um, glass is a, because if we we're glass well, is a good insulator no yeah in that rubber, case then, rubber stops electricity man i don't know if what is rubber um it's a petroleum let's go with electricity. come on you know this stuff this is basic magic uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, well then let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's say glass for that room. We're just, we're just spitballing at this sure, moment. Sure, yeah. Um, uh, what's the next, uh, the next room? Uh, the next room inward is flame. And I think probably stone is going to be a good one for that. What about water? I would think that there, well, there's no water option for layers, so we can't make a water golem in this case. Um, Have you tried? I, I, I agree. I think. Zoth, I feel immense guilt over your death. Um, however, this is not helpful at this moment. Um, uh, and then the next, <laughs> the next room inward. <laughs> uh, the next room after that, or before that, rather, is water. Well, okay, Sand. yes. So the a next room is water. water. Yeah. Oh, a swirling whirlpool of water. Hmm. A whirlpool going uh, the opposite direction. 
Mm, I'm not sure what you mean by that, but perhaps flesh. I, I flesh is the only one of these that I don't think would uh, would sink immediately. Mm. Like flesh, I associate with like you know a creature that can swim. That's kind of that where sense. my mind was going because I'm I'm operating under the assumption of like the material that can withstand this stuff that's in. Yes. It. Yeah. I think that makes sense as well. And then the next the next room would that be the the first room? Yeah, the first room is that weird green mist stuff. And the only other option we have right now is iron. iron. Yeah. I would think that anything that's not. If if it's like poison gas, for example, I would think that the answer would just be anything that's not um, flesh would probably be able to make it through. Unless okay. it's uh, unless it's not poison and it's acid. Do you, is iron is is iron resistant to poison? I would think that it's a, you know it's a fairly or not poison acid. I think that it's you know a fairly strong. Well, it depends um, on which acid substance. you're using. What's the pH level of the acid? That is something that I don't think we can survive from this. Survive <laughs> from this right now. Do you have? Do we have a, um, uh, an, a material data safety sheet in this room somewhere? Like we could check on the. Uh, yeah. Is this up to OSHA guidelines? Yeah, I mean you got to have the MDSD sheet for for all of you know the hazards. I mean, mm -mm. okay, so here's another thing, too, is that... I'm marking that down. The, there's hazards here that they're specifically testing against, right? So maybe they do have some, like, you know... Yeah, Alan will, will investigate to see whether there's any de written descriptions of what each um, room's hazard is. Uh, you are able to find, after a little bit of investigation, what looks like the paper. Like, at the top of it, you can see the beginning of the heading. But it appears to have gotten affected by, um, like, one of the extreme environments and has kind of disintegrated. Mm. So you're not okay. able to see what the materials are or what they're... What they're um, well, we know that it's not prompted. poison because you can't poison paper, but you could probably acid paper. Yes, this is this is probably correct. Um, judge, uh, prompted by a shoulder angel that isn't doesn't have a current have a voice actor mm. in this mm. case um alan would like to check whether the door for the water room is underneath the water or above the water or kind of like they're all straight across halfway so each room mm. it's like a sort of a duplicate of the room before it with just a different um extreme environment so you just need to cross the room to the door on the other end so if the it, so you would need to it, wade so through it, the whirlpool of swirling wade, water to wade get through. to the other okay. side. Wade, wade in the water. Cool. Um, Children. Okay. Wade in the water. So we need to get through well, each element. So we need the elements that will help you get through each. Yes, Zoth. Yes. Um, so <laughs> uh, Alan would like to go with the order of... That same uh, shoulder angel represented by the chat pops up and goes, I'm thinking iron or stone makes sense for the water room. I think we're going to go with this, with this thing, with this order. We're going to try crystal, the innermost layer, glass, the one outside that, stone, the one outside that, flesh, the one outside that, and iron, the outermost layer. Okay. Uh, you input the uh, different parameters as necessary, and you watch as the assembly line whirs to life. Um, materials are... Uh, pulled out of different like containers and things and brought to the assembly line and sort of coated around the skeleton of the next construct. It takes about three minutes for the assembly. 
as you kind of watch the pieces go together. And it, it it is satisfying watching, you know, watching all the machinery do all the work for you. And it's all very precise and, and repeatable motions. Um, and at the end of it, a small golem stands there. Uh, right now, a golem coated in iron. You see it's, you know, kind of shiny iron surface there. And you give it controls from the, the console. So you can tell it, you know, walk here, do that, open that door, etc. Okay. Well, Alan's going to say walk through the gas to the next door. <laughs> All right. The golem uh, moves to the doorway, opens the first door and steps into the gas room. And just a few seconds after it steps in, you watch as the acidic nature of the gas begins to corrode the iron and the golem begins to sort of fall and and it falls to the ground disabled. Well, we can rule out iron for the outermost layer. Okay. From the wall next to it, a large sort of scoop comes out and scoops it back into an incinerator hidden on the other side of the room. That is potentially two months. Um, So, okay. Maybe glass is fairly unreactive. Or crystal. Or crystal. Um, But maybe the iron needs to be used for the electricity room. Like something needs to be used for the electricity room. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm just, I don't, I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I agree. I think that swapping, perhaps swapping. Oh, glass or crystal crystal for iron is unreactive most likely to well electricity crystal's a a mineral right it's probably gonna melt like the iron would in the green mist oh you're talking about the electricity sorry yes um because i'm wondering if iron would be able to go through the necrotic room i think that perhaps we swap crystal and glass and then swap glass and iron (laughs) so uh iron becomes the innermost layer then crystal then stone then flesh then glass okay is the outermost let's give it a shot let's try that so um alan will try as i said yeah what we just said assembly process (laughs) completes and you now look at uh it's it's not like pure glass like you know it, it's it's sort of a rough manufacturing one so you can't quite see through it to the other layers but you mm-hmm. know it's got sort of a nice jagged angular uh glassine structure to it it's ursine head looks towards you waiting for instruction cross to the next room you send it it's into the, the next uh, room it reaches yeah. forward and opens the first door and steps into the green misty acidicness um and walks across that room gets to the next side, opens the door, and steps into the swirling whirlpool of water. The the glass is sort of ripped off the side of it by the swirling water, Um, but then the flesh layer that's underneath of it, the flesh layer sort of begins tearing and disintegrating, and it begins... Oh, no, it got pruning. it sort of is disabled and um, (laughs) falls to the ground and is whisked away by the whirlpool before falling through a sort of disposal at the base of the room. You know, a little... um, Well, that is a very strong whirlpool, and potentially we're at three months. We need to Um, figure out what flesh... But we got one down. We do have one down. What did you say, We need to figure out what flesh goes to. Uh, The only other one that makes sense is necrotic. To me, I agree. Um, 
But what I think so we need to do stone. Well, iron for water, or maybe stone, something to weigh it down so that stuff doesn't get ripped off. Uh, I well, think stone would just when when that the stone like be eroded by water. It depends. Um, I think that if the stone allows the golem to kind of sink into the water and um, kind of get below the whirlpool, I don't know if that's how exactly whirlpools work, but I think potentially there's a, an ability to, well, but then climbing back up would be the, the difficult part. I'm reminded of a story of uh, a, a wonderful little person named Metal Mario <laughs> that uh, that was like this little metal golem that would sink underneath the water and could walk just fine through it. I think I think iron. Then perhaps, the perhaps iron. Then, uh, and what did we have iron in before? Uh, we had the uh, swap. Iron was swap your innermost iron. layer on the last run. So for the necrotic, um, perhaps we swap flesh and iron. So flesh is necrotic and iron is uh, water. Does, I think that is another safe so bet. So it's glass going through the, the acid, iron mm -hmm. going through the water, yep. stone going through the flame. Like, are we learning anything about about these like as we're going on? Like like the stones still feel good for the for the fires. Yes, I I believe I it does. And then electricity. Like, do we want iron for electricity? Like, maybe it'll just like. I think we want flesh. Okay, for okay electricity. here. Hey 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 hey. So the if we look at the camera here, that room with the electricity had like metal panels, and electricity was like going through it, right? Yes. And then, like like what if the electricity harmlessly passes through the iron but doesn't affect good, the, the layer underneath it but then what will we use for um will we use crystal for water then hmm. because iron is what we surmised would yeah, be a good true. usage for water i think crystal i think crystal is still safe i mean stone for would work in the water like it would still be heavy there's an argument to be made about, um, I think that that is fair. I think, you know, Zoth mentioned the erosion mm. factor. However, erosion happens over thousands and thousands of years, hundreds of years this at is least. just simulating that um, the I mean, but also keep in mind that while that's true, the same process I mean, happens to glass, and the glass was gone pretty quick. Iron rusts. If we're worried about stone eroding away, then this is correct. Then the iron would rust away as well. In in that in that case, I believe we for should only use if it's uh, iron for water. the iron for the electricity and stone for the water. But then that does that mean that we're using crystal for the flames? Yes, we'll try it. So if we if we think about flames for a second, like the flames could melt iron. It would toast flesh, um, but it could probably yep. like stone is pretty hardy. But I mean, lava is a thing. Do you have? Do we have a readout so for crystal. how hot this fire is? Because maybe crystal is kind of like a harder stone than stone. I think. I think we should use crystal for it. Um, we don't have a readout because of that sheet oh, that got damn, disintegrated. Right. Well, I mean, I think we should use flesh for electricity, stone for fire. Some 
Some crystals are formed I've... under immense pressure and heat. Crystal mm, for necrotic. Al Alan is going to input what we what what he discussed, which is um, <laughs> now my brain's losing track of all of them. Uh, the first one is the same as what we did Glass. last time. Glass. Yeah. Glass. Um, then stone for water. Um, crystal. Iron for or crystal for fire. Iron for electricity, flesh for necrotic. Okay. Um, so glass is the outer layer, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, Granger, I got that listed yeah, yeah, in yeah. order. So your your glass sign golem awaits your instructions. You tell it to go. It opens the door, steps into the yep. green mist, walks through the green mist undamaged. As it steps into the whirlpool, the glass is sort of shattered and ripped away, but the stone is too heavy for the whirlpool to whisk yeah. off its feet and fling down Let's the go. disposal chute at the other end. And so it heavy steps, water splashing to and fro as it gets to the next door. Uh, you have it open that door and it steps into the room with the continuous gouts of flame. Almost immediately, the stone is heated to like molten levels yeah. and drips off the golem. Um, Good thinking. And then, and then the uh, crystal seems to like superheat and then almost shatter. And the oh. entire structural integrity of the golem is compromised as the, the crystal shattering kind of shards fly into it and the skeleton pops apart almost. Um, oh no! And uh, eventually, you know, another little like a, a little like yep. artificer Roomba comes out and like scoops it up and disposes of it. Spoke too soon. That that is okay. Um, so crystal does not work Neither for the fire. We will still stone. do glass and then stone. So does that mean glass has for fire? Well, yes. So we need the stone for the water. Uh, no, glass worked for the for acid. the for the acid. Things, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is I, fair, however, is the only I think thing we should left. still try to go with... Uh, for the fire. Yes, so then I would so then I would say iron for the fire, um, crystal for the electricity, and flesh for the... Stone? Yeah, see, that doesn't make sense to me. But, I mean, if crystal didn't work, then that means our options are iron or flesh. And I don't know if this is like magic fire or something. Like, is, it, is it a different color? Are these black and white screens? We could, They're we black could and do stone too. for the oh, acid. No. We could do glass for the fire. If the crystal shattered upon heat shock, I would imagine the glass would too. That is true. I think I think at this point we should go with what we know for the first couple rooms and then we just swap out what we think makes the most sense. I know that the uh, iron sounds counterintuitive uh, for the um flames however there's a chance that uh the iron will stay on as like it will just add enough protection as the the construct makes its way across the room um that the crystalline layer won't get shattered by the time it finishes crossing the room um i think it's worth a try maybe instruct the robot to run once it gets into that room i think that is fair so glass, stone, iron, crystal, flesh. Yes, or I guess your flesh powers combined. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. You again. The machine <laughs> begins building this uh, golem. It constructs it. The glass iron feature looks towards you. Gets its go. Steps through the acid room. No problem. The glass is whisked away by the whirlpool, and the stone golem steps through to the next room, where the stone is superheated and becomes molten and melts off of it. 
uh, it begins running at this point, right? That's what we said. Yeah. Yes. Begins running. Yeah, it's the... iron uh, form heating to to a redness, but not melting or or falling off of it. Um, it you know rushes through the next door into the highly conductive room, and the um, the the iron. The iron gets uh, almost like, so in its superheated state, it is atomically unstable. And so when the lightning hits it, the iron blasts off of the golem, leaving the crystal layer. And the crystal layer seems to react with the lightning. The lightning arcs through the crystals. And again, the crystals all shatter and fly into the the interior of the structure. Um, There's there's some kind of reaction that happens there. And the skeletal creature falls down to the ground. I, I think it's counterintuitive. It's disappointing to me. But I, I think it's yeah, going to so pass it, harmlessly through the flesh. I mean, people I, survive It's disappointing to me strikes. that it has literally taken the maximum amount, not literally taken the maximum amount, but um, that we have never guessed two right in a row. Uh, that is quite disappointing I, to me. However, I, I am confident in that the fact that if we switch the last two, the crystal and the flesh, I mean, we will. I think the rod. lightning strikes. Hey, had the crystal in the flesh is a good book name. <laughs> that is a good book name. You should uh, tell me that so, next time you see me. And so Alan's <laughs> final golem, uh, with crystal as its innermost layer and glass as its outermost layer, um, steps harmlessly through the first three challenges in the lightning room. You can see that the flesh, the lightning is conducted through it, but without any musculature to damage, it has no impact on the golem itself. Um, okay. And then as it steps into the final room, the necrotic energy darken. It's, it's almost like the flesh gets gangrene and like rots off of the outside of the golem. But the crystals have that same reaction with the necrotic energy as if they're charged with radiant energy and they counter that, that deadly necrotic wow. energy, bouncing it back away from the golem, uh, which stands in that room awaiting instruction. Uh, you said there's a, there's a deactivate button at the end of the room? Yes, there's an emergency shutoff valve. Okay, I, Alan will instruct him to hit the emergency shutoff, and then Alan will make his way through the rooms to the final door. Sure enough, the golem is able to shut down the room, and then it just stands there, receiving no more instructions from the console. As Alan walks through the um, the now you know disabled uh, environmental hazard rooms, at the other end there is a maintenance door that you're able to open to continue further into the structure. You open the maintenance door and you find yourself in uh, what we, the players, would understand is that stereotypical submarine hallway with like the the metal grate um, flooring and the lights with the like grill covers around them hanging from the ceiling, um, ever burning torches inside of, you know, small glass protectors. And on the other end of that, there is a completely out of place mahogany door, like a, a thick uh, rich, you know, well detailed with filigree and stuff, mahogany door with a boring old doorknob on it, no lock, no anything like that. And as Alan pushes that open, uh, he finds himself in the library. This octagonal room is lined with floor to ceiling bookshelves, and it is so tall that it feels a bit claustrophobic despite its 60 foot diameter. A well worn and dusty wooden ladder leans against one wall. Bright shafts of warm sunlight filter down from the ceiling far above and motes of dust dance in their light. On a table at the center of the room sits a small incense burner, the spiced smell mixing pleasantly with the scent of ancient leather that's all around you. The warm glow dances playfully over a thick coating of dust on the wooden work desk, and the floor is a cool stone. Uh, yeah, that's a cool stone. Alan would let... 
<laughs> uh, yes, this this place is very cool, actually. Um, Alan would like to roll history um, to see if he recognizes any of the books on the shelf. Okay. On the shelves. Great. 23. Uh, there are a great number of books that Alan is confident not only does he not recognize, but he spent time in the Aeos Lore Foundation's tower where the most comprehensive library in the world existed. Many of these books are not from this age of the existence of like material planes. But one thing that you can find is consistently there are a number of books about the different gods and goddesses and things like that. You can also find, you know, historical timelines um, of different worlds. Basically, this this room almost seems to be full of the intelligence that the rod is supposed to be built on top of. Um, hmm. And you. Uh, yeah. So that's what that's what the books are on the walls. This is some like it's almost like a private library of the gods, you know. OK. Alan would like to roll investigation to find a book about the challenges within the rod of intelligence. Uh, okay, go ahead and roll. Or about the rod of intelligence, at least. Dirty 20. Dirty 20. Uh, Alan does find a book about the, the rod of intelligence. And as he flips it open, uh, it's, you know, a thick leather bound tome. It's got all this stuff written in it. You flip it open and on the first page, you see um, the next segment represented all the logistical cunning and judicial acuity of the kings of 72 past eons. Zanir formed it into a scepter of frosted iron that could enlighten its bearer with the intelligence of the ancients. If the bearer possessed the capacity to understand all that was held within. And then underneath it says, do you think we would let you cheat on this test? And then all the other pages <laughs> are blank. <laughs> Uh, does Alan have a writing utensil? Uh, I don't know. There's like, a, is there, there's a desk. Is at there the, a quill anywhere? There's a desk at the middle of the room, that big old dusty desk. Alan would like to see if there's a quill on the desk okay. with ink. Uh, you look on the desk. There is not a quill. Um, but as you're looking at the desk, trying to find one, you see that under the, under the dust, it looks like there might be some, some glyphs carved into the table there. Alan will just say out loud. Uh, this is not cheating. This is simply using the resources around me. Um, and then Alan will in, in, uh, use Arcana to look at the, the glyphs on the desk. Great. Oh, that's his worst roll all night. That's a six. Uh, I'm going to roll attention die. You will be allowed to repeat that check. Okay. Much better. That is an 18. Okay. Um, the 18, the, you, you recognize uh, conjuration magic coming from the five runes that are on the table. Hmm. Okay. Conjuration magic. Um, can he investigate to see if there's any damage to the runes or whether they're currently in effect or there's no like damage that? to them and they are currently in effect. Um, it seems like if you could decipher the, the symbolism of the runes, then um, you might be able to figure out more about what they do or, or how they're working. But um, with your, just with your arcane knowledge, your arcana, you were able to figure out these are, these are conjuration magic. Okay. In this case, he'll use history. Okay. Um, to see if he, there's any, anything that connects to anything he has prior knowledge of. Absolutely. Or anything like that. 14. 14. Uh, there are five runes on the table. And as you kind of look at them, you sort of put together the pieces. They're associated with the five gods. Hmm. 
They're associated with the five gods. Um, Alan would like to find one book on each god, on each of the five gods from the bookshelves. Okay. How would he like to do that? Does he have to... Uh, I mean, uh, from his check earlier, was he able to find any way that these shelves are organized? Uh, It didn't seem like the the shelves were organized in any particular way. This seems like a personal library where someone just like is putting books when they're storing them, you know? Okay. So it probably takes some some, some investigating to find what you're looking for. Okay, then he'll investigate to find. Don't they have one of those doobie decimal system things around here for cataloging (laughs) stuff? If it was my personal library, I, I would do something yeah, like that. However, I just rolled a natural one. <laughs> I was gonna As say. Alan is uh, searching through the books, it almost feels like when you're not looking, the library shelves behind you are rearranging themselves. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, eventually, is Alan caught up in actually organizing the books that are like out of place <laughs> as he's looking through them? That's actually even funnier uh, as a way <laughs> to you find them eventually. It just takes a long time. That's what the natural one is, is giving you is it's taking ages. But I way mm. prefer Wash's explanation that like Alan gets caught up like he's going to organize them as he goes because he's like, well, the right ones will turn up if I'm organizing all the books. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'll clean my room to find it. And so he yeah. organizes this library and eventually you do find um, one book about each god. OK. Um, he would like to arrange them on the desk. In there with their corresponding runes. You arrange them on the desk with their corresponding runes. And after a brief moment where you think nothing has happened, you realize that all of the dust motes that were falling, um, you know, kind of dancing around in the shafts of sunlight, they've all frozen in place. And as you, you know, maybe reach out your hand a little bit to kind of poke one, uh, you see that they are very, very slowly coalescing towards the center of the room until when they finish coalescing at the center of the room, they have created a small key. It's just floating, suspended there in the middle of the room. Alan would like to investigate the room for a keyhole. Okay. 24. 24. You cannot find a keyhole anywhere in the room, despite the fact that you look very thoroughly. Okay, well then in that case, Alan will grab the key and see what happens. Alan grabs the key. Radford and uh, I guess it's just Radford and Laredith who are there. Radford, um, it has been six months since It was the golem challenge. The golem challenge screwed it. It's been six months since Alan picked up that rod, closed his eyes, and uh, froze in place. Um, And when he finally opens his eyes sitting there on the other side of the table. He has a uh, sort of a confused, disoriented look on his face. Alan, you realize the scepter still in your right hand that clutched tightly in your left hand now is a key. And you can feel in your right hand, the rod is almost pulsing like it, like it's waiting for something. Uh, Alan will investigate the rod for a keyhole. He doesn't even need to investigate. As you look at the top okay. of the rod, you see the little section where it would um, connect to the next segment of the rod of seven parts. On the side of that, there is a keyhole. And so Alan is able to stick the key in and turn it. And when he does, there's a bright flash of light. Um, Radford and Alan are both blinded for just like three or four seconds. Is it like, whoa, you know, dazzled, not, not stunned. Um, and when the light is gone, Alan wears a small pendant or, uh, on his neck of that key. 
There's it's like mm. a, a small golden chain. Um, and then that key, a key of frosted iron rests there, um, touching Alan's chest and you feel, uh, the connection to the rod of seven parts. Alan has successfully attuned to the rod of intelligence. Yes, let's, go. let's go. We did it as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Not as long as possible, but it was sad that we never guessed two right in a row. It technically, was always one after the technically other. Technically, we did. Well, I guess we didn't guess. <laughs> never mind. Um, How long was Fox's okay. adventure? Fox's adventure was like a month and a half. <laughs> um, yeah. So Ooh. we do need to figure out what Fox did next, but we're going to first do Alan's job interviews, and if we have time, we'll figure out Fox's thing on screen, and if not, we'll do it next week because Jake won't be here, so it like it'll yeah. it'll be a good week to do that. Um, How long so, did it take Jeb to attune? Sounds like Jeb Willis has nine months. Oh, he'd be proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Alan was really hoping for three months right or of less, intelligence. Six is fine. You you always need to double your yeah. estimates, Alan. You know how this goes with any project. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, so Radford and Alan are in the room. Laredith walks back in. Um, she's got a plate of food for Radford. There's nothing on there for Alan. It's been six months of him not needing any sustenance to stay alive. She comes in and she's like, "You're you're awake. Did you did you succeed? Was your venture successful?" Um. Yes, I, I believe so. And Alan will kind of gesture with the rod and and kind of show the the key. Congratulations! One tea, seven sugars, as requested. She sets it down in front of Radford along with whatever he you know he got for for lunch. Thanks, Larry. She says, "Congratulations! Um, I I am very excited for you to explore all of the possibilities with this new tool. As you do, please be sure to conduct uh, ex exceptional scientific documentation so that for future subjects who might want to take uh, use of the artifact after your your normal and uh, un unhurried death, of course, uh, we might have some resource that they may be able to use to uh, avail themselves of the tool that you have discovered." Yes, I I completely agree, especially um. Hopefully in, in a manner of no longer needing to use it to dispel evil, but instead to uh, build upon the good. Yes. Speaking of evil, just so you know, it has been six months uh, and uh, we have not been idle in that time. Uh, I have set Yava Mykonid to finding several very qualified candidates for your venture coming up that you and Radford may interview at your leisure. Uh, they are all waiting on standby and have been for several months, I must admit, uh, for, for you to summon them for an interview. And I'm sure Radford will be able to get you up to speed on all the rest. But for now, uh, you should probably like stand up and move around. Although the rod sustains you and keeps you alive, it is likely to have still left you with some level of muscle atrophy. I, I think after um, after a, a day or so of uh, rehabilitation, physical like you know, physical rehab, uh, I, we will be ready to interview the candidates and waste no more How time. Far with Wonderful. You. That sounds great. Uh, and so there there is a day spent basically recovering from from Alan's time um, using the rod. Um, Alan, the rod comes with a number of benefits, which I will send you written out the same way I sent them to Jeb before. But cool. the one that is most important for you right now is that you are able to, while your hand is making contact with the rod, you're able to project a 100 foot weave of magic around you, like pure unadulterated. This is yeah. magic, um, allowing you, your companions and your enemies to use magic within its, its reach. Yeah. Um, so that's that piece. And then uh, whenever you're ready to conduct your interviews, 
I assume Radford is probably the one who's who's summoning the candidates in. So as uh, yeah. as as you're I'm ready, Radford, them. why don't you? Yeah, why don't you decide who's who's coming in? Uh, Trevor and Cleo, why don't you tell us the names of the various applicants <clears throat> we'll be meeting? <clears throat> um. So should we should we save the best for last, I, I or are so. we going first? <laughs> best for last. We're saving the best for last. Okay. Uh, wh- what's your first one then? Uh, my first one is a myconid sent by Groot to Yeah named Fern. Ah, Fern the myconid arrives for his appointment. So yeah, this one here is Fern. Got a got a, a little bit of an inside contact here. Um, yeah, Fern. So t- tell us all about yourself. Oh, he- hello. Um, I am. Fern, um, what are your names? Uh, I am Owlin. I will be uh, leading this expedition. Um, where will we be going? Well, uh, as I'm sure you have, well, maybe you haven't been informed, uh, we will be going to rescue Do Bumblefoot, one of the avatars of the gods. And Do Bumblefoot is... A uh, meta question. I'm trying to remember what's the name of the place that he's at. Do Bumblefoot? She yeah. is imprisoned in she. Uh, No Wood. Uh, in in No Wood, which is a place of adventure and intrigue and uh, kind of a, a, a wild area, less le- with less cityscapes and villages what and are such. Avatars and gods. I think you misunderstand the purpose hmm. of this uh, this interview. <laughs> Let's keep it on topic. So, what uh, what are your specialties? What can you what can you bring to the team? Um, well, I have various spore like abilities. Um, mm-hmm. before magic left the world, I had a lot of magical capabilities. Um, so nothing now. Just the spore abilities and a very uh, curious outlook on life. Hmm. <laughs> uh, well, luckily, as long as we stick together, um, you will have access to magical abilities when you're within 100 feet of me or shins of me. Um, oh, how? How? So. With uh, with this, the trade we, we don't need to go into the <laughs> details <secret>. of it. <laughs> uh We'll 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 talk more about it on the journey if you if you come along. But um, it has been great well, meeting you. you as, as, a, we, as it was kind of discussed. Do you want a list before. of the spells I possess? Uh, that's not necessary at this moment. Um, but you spoke a bit about how we have you have a connection to yeah the mic to yeah and to Groot. Um, how did you come yes, to know them? Um, well, I was. Uh Minding my own business in the Underdark with my uh, my colony, my family, if you will. I think that's the word you use. Uh-huh. And uh, we ran into some... I don't know what they're called. Um, other creatures, I suppose. And we all ran and hid from them, but we got uh, separated. And so I ended up wandering some tunnels and ended up at the surface and uh, I, I stumbled upon Groot who was very kind and took me in and he explained a few of the things going on and he asked me to go deliver a message to his friend yeah the mic 
So I, I traveled very far to get here. Um, and uh, I delivered the message to yeah earlier, and he said to go see if you guys need any help. Hmm. We'll call you. Call? <laughs> what? <laughs> we'll be like, hey. Oh, we chose you oh. if we choose you. Okay. Thank you for your time. Next. <laughs> a uh, large barrel chested hematician walks through. He wears <laughs> Wait. only simply uh, a, a plain uh, robe, um, undyed. It is the same color as it was made out of the wool of sheep, and he walks forward into the room. Hello. I'm Gravelos. I hear you're looking for help with finding avatars. Yes, that is correct. Um, what what do you do, Gravelos? Um, this is uh kind of embarrassing. Um, <laughs> you see, uh, I didn't realize what's been going on for a while. I uh, I practice meditation on top of uh, one of the nearby mountains, and I haven't been contacted for uh, oof. Uh, We'll just call it five decades. Um, and, uh, you know, I was really, really thought of an interesting question. I couldn't find the answer to my meditations. And I, I thought, I thought maybe Do Bumblefoot might know. I met him long ago. I uh, like his accurate portrayal uh, of time. It's very, very solid. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, uh, I can't, I can't find them. And, uh, there's all these do gadgets and other things going on. The world's changed a lot since the last time I came down the mountain. So I would, I'd like to go find my friend. I miss, miss her. She really needs to answer this question for me. Radford is kind of tearing up a little bit. Oh. <laughs> uh. Uh, that is a that is quite a noble uh, cause uh, you have. That is great to hear. Um, however, forgive me if I ask again. Um, what do you do as far as you know? In this situation, we will be going through a perilous journey through um, ancient ruins and fighting off uh, all sorts of beasts. Um, what hmm. do you have any experience doing? Well. That? Uh... When I was younger, I used to travel a lot, uh, but I uh, am more proficient in using the weapons that were gifted to me by my creator rather than using any weapon made by mortals. Good old fists, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I don't I like, like him, boss. I think we're done. I think we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, if Radford uh, is, is content with these applicants, I have one very, very important I... question for you, though. 
Uh, go ahead, sir. This is this is this is a make or break sort of a situation. I've been I don't know about the boss, and he's ultimately the boss, but I have been thoroughly impressed up to this point. My question is he leans in. Can you read common? <laughs> So, I know. Um, it's a bit of a challenge. I can important. read common from a hundred years ago <laughs> if it hasn't changed. Well, uh, in that in that case, um, you actually may be even more helpful as uh, the places we are going are at least a hundred years old. There are, so in that case, you're hired. There are at least a couple more resumes on, on your desk, I think. Oh. Ah, there are other ah, there are more. So, yeah, we'll do this. So. Radford will like draw a little star on the resume. I uh Okay, well then uh let's uh, let's bring the next Thank you for your time, Gravelis. Your time. I'm going to uh I guess step outside now. <laughs> and he walks away. <laughs> he kind of just <laughs> lost in thought already. Um so next in flies uh two wheatling creatures. Uh my uh my character will be flying in. Uh Cleo, you fly or walk in. You don't need to be such a show off. What do you mean? <laughs> You're always shut up. It's quicker right? this way. We're in front of the people now. We gotta we gotta talk. Like proper people. Yeah, we'll talk on their level. I don't have to straighten their neck to look down. So I think the other ones should be in here pretty soon. Uh, uh, yes, um, I think they're coming in now. Yeah. You see anybody? Sorry. <laughs> we're, we're I saw down. the door open. S uh, sirs, we're down, we're down here. Oh, oh. I'm up here. I'm down here. I'm up here. Ah, yes. My sister's oh. down there. Come, come, come down a bit. You're too high for them. You're too low. You're in the ceiling. <laughs> You're too uh. low for them. I apologize for my brother. Um, just ignore him, all right? And uh, we, we we came here um, because uh, we we heard your your need of help, and we think we can be of assistance. Can you state your names for the uh, for the record? Of course, uh, my name is Riley. I am Zavket O'Leary. O'Leary is our is our family name. Uh, Kit is K I T, and then capital O apostrophe, and then L A R R Y. It's actually pronounced Kit O'Leary, but he he pronounces it wrong all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm telling uh, you. Well, mother agreed with me. So I'm father right. Even if father with agrees me, with so you, I'm right. I, it's irrelevant. <laughs> let's uh, let let's, if we may ask, um, what what do you do? What what do you bring to this sort of quest? Well, um, we heard you're you're hunting for avatars, and um, that might help us a little bit. Seeing how, uh, you know, in the recent years we had lost contact with our patron, um. No, yeah. We didn't lose contact, just less contact. Point being, um, 
it's in our best interest to help you. And by helping you, we can help you further. Um, see, we, uh, our, our patron was, uh, good friends Andromeda. of yours. Yeah. You remember, so. uh, Andromeda? Uh, yes. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Alan will kind of like shake his head, like, <laughs> yes, uh, yes, we do. Us to come here, uh, to help in our quest uh when we lost our our god our contact with our our leader uh do bumblefoot so ah uh we aim to help well, restore her back to our our tribe and hopefully restore magic andromeda mentioned something about your whole quest to restore magic we want to help that too he's completely glossing over the fact that the whole reason we're here is actually because of our dead parents but Oh. That's besides the That's fact. That's too personal. Um, you just don't tell random people your parents. Well, died. they need to know that we're 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 listed to the cause, and that we have an emotional investment. We have an emotional uh, investment, is, and we're listed to the cause. I am I am sorry about your parents. That is extremely tragic. We're trying to figure um, out what happened. But, wow, that's a lot. Um, if I may, <laughs> further question, however. Um, what what are your skills? What do you bring to a party like We're this? We're a very tight-knit team, and we need to make sure that you mesh. Well, I am an expert archer, and I have lots of spells before the dark thing happened, so I used to be able to cast magic. How, uh... Wait, both. How big is your bow? If I Is that, a, is that an offensive uh, question to ask? Like, is your bow <laughs> split into your size? Yes. Is that like a hand crossbow? Um... Um... So we use bows appropriate to our size, uh, and you asked if that was offensive. Um, and while so you particularly like toothpicks, you not... shoot like toothpicks. <laughs> Do you want me to shoot you and find out? Sure, show him, brother. <laughs> I pull out a longbow and shoot him with a scaled longbow to my size and uh, arrow to my, my AC size. is seventeen. All right. <laughs> This is not how I envisioned this. <laughs> you got this, brother. Consider it. Consider it a uh, you know a test. Practical skill applications. Uh, there we go. Sorry, let me pull it up. You mean you weren't prepared for a combat encounter, Trevor? <laughs> what what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> Does you said uh, I got I got a twenty four. Twenty four. Will it be normal damage, nice. Josh? It I'm just checking, but matter. I believe so. Um, normal damage is what we care about. <laughs> normally, yeah, it's normal okay. damage. Um, Ow! That's going to be a total of five damage. How was that? Well, you should have aimed a little higher, brother. I don't want to kill him. <laughs> Just like pulls, pulls the arrow out. You know, well, if you poison these impressive. things, uh, that do a lot of damage. Do you know how to melt poison? No. Uh, yes, we could we could find a way, for sure. Well, and what about you? Being, um, you said it was Riley, right? Riley, yes. Riley. Um, Emphasis on the second syllable. Got it. It's very important. 
very important, just like Kit O'Leary. Ah, I see. Anyway, I apologize. But what do you do? Um, well, as my brother mentioned, uh, we both practiced uh, magic via our patron um, before the darkening. Um, but now I have resorted to uh, tracking and more mm. practical support skills, I should say. Um, and in a quick fight, I do know how to use a short sword or well for you would be like a little tiny dagger but um to be honest my combat expertise is without my magic is not going to be very limited it's going to be very limited um but can you take I, a punch i'm not gonna I, punch you that's not part of the interview do you want me to punch her i just want to know if you can take a punch I can take a punch. It's the second one I'm worried about from people your size. Fair <laughs> but enough. generally, I just that, avoid getting hit in the first fair. place. That is fair. Um, well, thank you very much for your time. Um, we really appreciate you coming all this way to talk to us. And um, yes, uh, we will. We will get back to you shortly. Come on, brother. Let's leave. Okay, uh, thank One you last for question. Your time. Yes. One last question. Deal breaker question. Have you ever peeled a grape? <laughs> I mean, for class once? I have not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Make a little mark on the on the resume. <laughs> mm -hmm. the, the frozen moment in time where both of them were just like. Wait, but what what did I just get out? <laughs> <laughs> or like, wait, which answer is the deal breaker and which one is the deal clincher? Brother, why'd you uh, mess up the answer? Now I didn't mess it never up. You messed it job. up. You messed it up. Scripts. Shut up. You shut up. <laughs> Are there more resumes? That's what I was uh, just for people? Ask you, yeah. No? Is that all the resumes? I I have another one, but I I I think it would be probably more uh imperative for unknown meta reasons if uh <laughs> perhaps somebody else had a resume <laughs> okay so i guess that's all your resumes i think is what okay. we're hearing uh, so it's a very will... it's a very long list these are the top four contenders so you know <laughs> yes, we have plenty uh... of time but i got to weed down a whole lot of them um this is like I, their ninth I, round of interviews still with Radford. Yeah. <laughs> like each one is with Radford. <laughs> um, I, I personally uh, am partial to the siblings. Um, although they seemed to bicker a bit, they seemed very capable. Um, they had the most hard skills that we could discern. Um, they demonstrated them very well. Shooting you with an arrow uh, was a good demonstration of that. It's true. Um and uh, I think that as long as we were able to um, set clear expectations about uh, the bickering and the uh, sibling rivalry aspects and that we need to stay on task while we're on our mission, um, I think that they could work very well. The other two candidates were, were good, but... Um, I'm just going to put this out there. They, they just didn't... Yes. I love Gravelis. A lot. <laughs> like, a lot. <laughs> 
Like, oh, I think that Gravelis. I, I think that Gravelis could uh, find another place here at Four Guys Ventures and Vibes uh, where he would fit um, if he was interested. However, I don't know if personally well, I think that Gravelis. If anybody, I think Fern would probably be interested in you know in doing something not along the lines of this adventure. But if, I feel like that's the true. Rest of Gravelis them, has specific motivations yeah. to specifically come with us. Exactly. Yes. You hear gravel list from around the corner. Does that mean I didn't get the job? <laughs> Sorry uh, to eavesdrop. I, I tend to, it just happens sometimes. I have very good hearing. deal breaker question. Are you left-handed? <laughs> I have two hands. I use them both. <laughs> see, see, Alan, I mean, it just keeps coming around. I love this guy so much. <laughs> can, can, we not, can we not hire him and the twins? Uh, we're not uh, well, twins. Uh, for I'm older. Brother, that seem, they're done with us. Get out of the way. Hold on, Some sorry, sort I left the window uh, open. Joey, shut this window. <laughs> <laughs> Alan will shut the window. Um, uh, I don't know if all three of them can come on this adventure. I think that, uh, you know, in order for maximum efficiency, we need only four mm. of us. Is that the name of the new um, team? Maximum efficiency? Team me? I like that. <laughs> uh, for this mission, sure. If, if it helps uh, with paperwork uh, on the four guys side of things, I mean, ultimately, perhaps. you're the founder. You know, I don't even have stock in the company yet, but uh, um, we're not publicly traded yet, so right. that makes sense. So, I mean, it's um, really going to come down to you. Um, I I believe my oh, sorry, what were you going to say? A, I have a meta question that may influence your decision. Okay. I'm not saying it's a good idea. <laughs> it's a great idea. <laughs> but seeing how one of us on this show is already in the position of potentially doing it anyway, I would not be adverse <laughs> to playing two characters <laughs> at the same time. Uh, I think for the flow of the actual like I think it'd be story, I, I think it'd be better to have you play one character. I'm more concerned I, with you juggling two character sheets. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, if you were the kind of D&D &D player who looked at your character sheets, then I might be on board. <laughs> I, I don't even... What are you talking about? Gravel is over here? It's like, I don't even I re have I a sheet. I resemble that remark. I, I, I have all that in my I head. I'm... Um, Alan will my personally uh, my my decision will be the siblings. I think that as far as the skills that they bring to the table, they will be the most useful. And I think it may in some ways be um, entertaining to have them along. And I don't think that that is necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, they got a pretty solid connection to do Bumblefoot, too. So that might be. Uh, I agree. You know, it, it pains me. I mean, <laughs> like I said, you're the boss. I'm going to. Okay, I respect your decision. I'm going to go cry in the corner for a while now. <laughs> we should. We should, well, if you wanted to. No, no, it's I, fine. You, you seem to have a way with uh, with with him. If you if you wanted to talk to him and see if he wanted another spot at Four Guys, uh, just in the meantime, after you know, since he's not on the mountain anymore, um, that would I, I'm sure that that would, could be arranged. It's it's perfectly fine. 
I'm just full of regret that I didn't spend time with him these past nine or six months <laughs> up until this point. So I was kind of holding out. I was like, you know, it's going to be a great little adventure. We get to bond. We like broskies. We trade meditating and tea tips. But, uh, you know, yeah, you... It's chill. Watch it's me chill. like Radford would like to use an ocean. <laughs> 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 oh. No, but seriously, uh, as a as a professor of the chill, you know, it's uh, I think it'll be good. I'm just I'm just gonna go cry a little bit. It's all right. You gotta get it out. You gotta feel your way through it. Yeah. Should I should For I sure. stop eavesdropping? I'm really sorry. I got really good hearing. <laughs> I'm going to go get like, some burritos with him. Take care, Alan. Good luck assembling. The I'll let you fill out the paperwork. See you later. Bye. All right. Oh, <laughs> hello. Uh, and <laughs> and really so, good burrito spot. Let's go. And so Radford and Gravelis walk off to get their burritos. <laughs> Alan, uh, having his team established, you know, makes make some final preparations, whatever. Um, Laredith, you know, sees you off. Uh, and and so in the future we will begin Alan's quest. However, uh, there is now one more detail we need to resolve tonight because of how long it took for Alan to attune to the rod. Yeah. And so we zoom out from Gaim and we zoom backwards in time, uh, finding ourselves. Uh, it, it's, been, it's been a day of driving from uh, away from Stanley's, basically, just trying to get. Yeah, <laughs> just trying to get out of the city uh, somewhere safe. Um, Bruiser and Gunner are both laying low somewhere, and Fox and Jed <laughs> are trying to figure out <laughs> what to do. <laughs> Gunner, <laughs> uh, Fox and Jeb are trying to figure out what to do. Um, this is the really the first time that Fox and Jeb have been able to talk at all uh, since everything that they've gone through. Um, and they sit now in the cipher truck that's gone back to its original glory, which is to say that on the side it says four guys and. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm really proud of that sit work. in there. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's where we find ourselves now. <sighs> Man, you can't believe all this stuff we went through, Jeb, just to come and find you. And I'm, I'm just glad you're back. I know I've said it multiple times already. But yeah, it feels. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot going through my, through my mind. I still kind of don't even know what incredibly details of what happened. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, it, where's it, my stuff? Um, you have my stuff. About that. Um. That doesn't I, sound like a yes. I per se don't have it. Um, I believe it's in, in Gaim with Owlin at the moment. Oh. Um, well, hey, that should be a quick, less than six month trip back to Gaim. We could go back there, and I could get my stuff, and I could reattune to the Rat of Intelligence. That'd be easy peasy. <laughs> 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 Uh. <laughs> well, uh, uh, if you go, I might, I might not accompany you, Jeb. Um, 
No, what's well, I, I was just joking, but I mean, I need to get something. But like, what's what's going on? Like, get me up to speed. Uh, well, um, oof, uh, ooh, right. Uh, I don't know how to. Like, what's the next move? Like, Laredith's okay, right? Like, she made it. Uh, right. Laredith is okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So that's good. And we so. <sighs> We're just picking things back up, right? Like I, I don't know how to more of the pieces to the rod, and we need more of the like we need to find. Dang, I can't remember which. What are the avatars that we need? It's like do I don't know how else to say this, but I'm just I'm just gonna come out and say it. I mean, I know you love me, man, and I love you too, (laughs) and I and you, you like. I'll do my, I know you, you, you're going to say like, I, you don't have to pay me back or whatever, you know, you would have done the same for me and I feel the same way, but you know, there's like, I'm still going to try. I'm still going to, you know, I, I super appreciate everything you do and I just Zoth think you're really fantastic. He's dead. Don't play with me, Fox. Not now. I'm... I'm not playing with Jeb. We we made it all the way back to Gaim. Um, we got Laredith to safety and <laughs> some stupid scout droid things attacked and 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 they just one of them managed to gang up on him. I. Uh, and I, I, I think, honestly, I think one of the rods had something to do with it too. The rod he was holding, and I, of all the things we've been through, Jeb, and he was taken out by a bucket of bolts. We tried so hard, Jeb. It's bring my him fault. back. No, it's my fault. If I was there, it wouldn't have happened. You guys were down a man. It's no, that one's on. That one's on me. You know, honestly, I I don't think it's your fault, Jeb. I think. No, I mean, I appreciate that, but. Listen, if if me and Zoth had never gotten mixed up in this, he would have never have touched that rod. The robot dealt the killing blow, but he definitely did not have the wounds to represent the death. Like, it was something to do with that cursed rod. It, all these rods I are just... I, I don't think I can do this anymore, Jeb. Honestly, I was planning on bringing you back to a place one of our safe houses, Four Guys, Ventures, and Vibes, and I... I don't think I can just walk away from this either, but I... I just can't. I can't with this right now. Wait. You can't what? I'm thinking about leaving Four Guys, Ventures, and Vibes.
It's already taken my best friend, my leg. Nearly took you. You think four guys did all that? No, but it, I know it wasn't four guys. But it's this whole quest we put ourselves on. Oh, oh! so we put ourselves on this. I, I mean, if we just... If I had just taken a different route, I would have never met you guys. Yeah, but you didn't. If I... If I... Would have said no to Violet, she'd still be alive. If your parents said no to each other, you wouldn't be here. That doesn't solve anything. And I, and I, I see your anger and believe me, I, I share it. But don't point that at us. Don't point that at you. I, I just... You don't shoot yourself for, for somebody else pulling the trigger. I he shouldn't have been gone, man. I... <sighs> Let me ask I... you something. Let me ask you something. You have my eternal gratitude for pulling me out of a very dangerous pit and I will never not be thankful for you but do you think for one minute that if you go off on your own path that you'll ever stop thinking about him of course not, man. I... <sighs> I... Listen, Pop. And Jeb, like, scooches up next to him on the little bench seat. He, like, hops off the, the bench on the opposite side of the table and sits on the bench that he's sitting on and scooches up next to him. <sighs> Put my hand on his thigh. Just kind of, like, give him a pat. <sighs> I just... L listen, Pop. Listen to me. I know you. We've been traveling together long enough. And when the water gets hot, you want to exit the pot. I've seen it numerous times. When we get to fighting, not you and me, but like when fighting gets to happening, you walk out the room. When stuff gets... Well, like when a battle calms down and everybody's doing their stuff, you got to go take a breather. You know, you, you leave to give yourself some space. But you can't, and I say this as a man who has experienced this directly. You can't walk away from the death of a loved one. They're with you for the rest of your life. And the only way 
past it, is through it. There is, there is absolutely no walking out of this room, Fox, and I'm sorry. You know what? Jeb, you're right, and that's... It sucks, I know. That's actually why I was thinking about leaving. Because there's... After losing Zoth, and I, I promised I'd get you back, and I did... I've let some loved ones go to the wayside and I'm just now realizing that even though we may be at the center of this quest, that that doesn't mean they're untouched. Jeb, I, I need to go. Maybe I'm not leaving four guys. I think you're right. I, I just, I, I, I don't know. All right, I but I, I I need to go find my parents. Okay. I called I called dibs on your stock options if you leave. <laughs> shoulder Angel Al, Shoulder Angel Allen says we're not publicly <laughs> traded yet. That means it'll. That means with Zoth gone, and you gone, I'll be the majority sh- majority shareholder. All joking this? aside, what's what's going on with your parents? I, I I I don't know why I didn't really think of it before, but I'm just now realizing with with the dreams we had when we first started this mixed in with the letters and stuff I gotten originally from my parents all the way at the beginning, I never stopped to think that they could have potentially been a part of this. Kids, nothing, and mother, parents. That's weird. That's a really odd thing that never happens ever. <laughs> Glad you're Come coming on, around to that. No, I'm. I'm just. I'm adding a little fun. Um, huh. I do remember you getting that letter. Um, I, if I recall, I. It, it was actually my letter. Ah. <laughs> uh, I'm just okay. You know well, I am about my name. Ah. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you now, pup. I want to come with you. I don't... Every time we've split up, bad things have happened. And every time. I don't think there's been a time that we've split up and we were like, Oh, wow, I'm so <laughs> glad I did that. That was like the best thing. We should do that more. It's always like... Hey, this is terrible. We all almost died. Let's never do that again. And then a week later, we're like, oh, but I'm going to go over do this thing. And you're going <laughs> to. Yeah, I, I guess you're right, Jeb. You know, I never really thought about it. Well, that's the problem is we never really think about that. And, I, and that's not on you. I'm saying like that's on me. But see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Just because you leave the the company or don't and you go and do this thing yourself that's not going to take the target off your back and you got a big fat target on your back you calling me fat Jeb? (laughs) (laughs) no but i can Uh, if it helps (laughs) i all right Well, I promised myself, after losing Zoth, that 
that I wouldn't stand by the wayside and lose anybody else. That's why I came for you, and that's why I'm going for my parents. Well, okay, okay. Well, let's 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 think about something real quick, though. Do you have a lead? I, I mean, this isn't a I, challenge. This is just like technically, you know, I do. I, it's just all the leads what, are so old. Lead? Well, admittedly, I was I was just gonna head back to the hometown. Okay, Ma- is that? On the way or away from, like, where's where's the hometown? It would have been fairly close to where we first met. So it had been... Oh, wow, we scooped you up, like, right out the nest. Well, we had... <laughs> we had taken a long and detour. We didn't beeline straight to when we met you. We uh, we had been yeah, traveling around me and so often. So is, is this or is this not on the way to Gaim? It is not. So DM, where you can is correct this me now? if I'm wrong. <laughs> where 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 is it, is it? What's the name of the place? It's on the other side of the Aspen Sea. It's the opposite direction of Gaim. Okay. Right. It's uh it's near the acid corridor, south of the acid corridor, right? Yeah. It's just south okay. of the acid corridor. Oh yeah, that's near Athamont. That's uh It's a ways. Yeah, I don't I don't like it over there. Um okay, well, it's not, to be clear, it's not in Athamont. It's the right, other yeah. side of that sea next to Athamont. Yeah, yeah, west yeah. Um, we would, uh, I, well. So here's the thing. Four guys plan. We've got a, we've got a dober egg load of rods yes. here. We need to and do something about that. That that is not safe by any stretch of the imagination. I was thinking the safest place would probably go be like at the Kingdom of Udril. Um, unless you guys can think of unless you can think of another safe place where we've got like connections with some very high up people. I mean we there's the headquarters at Gimes. I know that yeah, set up a thing there. Um, but I don't know anything about that place. Uh honestly I trust Udril more than Gaim, especially after <sighs> I saw how easily they were penetrated. But here's the thing. Unless if you leave and you do this thing, then that means it's going to be on me and probably you, FP, right? You're still in the company? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, is that gunner guy <laughs> And Bruiser, like, are they still part of the company? I I believe so. Yes. I say off off in the distance, you hear Gunner. You you remember Gunner saying something like, "I mean, I consider myself a freelancer, but I loved working with you and would love to work with you again." Yeah, cool, cool. Um, Bruiser's next to Alan, is, just have... giving a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing: um, I can't cast magic. Uh, even if we were underground, for I, I didn't even look into why it worked way back then, but I don't even have my blunderbuss. I am... Fox, I hate to say it, but right now, I am a humble woodcutter. I... Well... am very, very limited in what I am able to do. 
okay. But we All got right, a crap I'm... ton of rods, and none of them are in any shape of, like, my expertise. I I have a plan. All right. That's good. Um, I'm just going to say it, and I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I after everything I just thought about, and I, I'm not 100% on board with it, but I... This is problem-solving Fox time, and I, I think it's the only one that's realistically going to work, even though I, I don't like it. And um, what if, all right, I hold on to one of the rods? Um, okay. And maybe maybe we can have FP and them take the other two to... Udral. Um, and then we take the cart. I, I just, I, but you need your, you need your uh, blunderbuss and shells. You need your stuff. Um, oh God. Uh, I, I guess. Are you sure you didn't bring my stuff? I know you're pretty terrible about checking your pack. Did you, did you, like, put my stuff in there? Let me check. Dig around the bottom. I know you keep, like, <laughs> weird little zipper pockets on the inside and stuff. <laughs> you still got those rations with no dessert? <laughs> hey, listen. The dessert ah, was very guess. good. <laughs> got him. FP, let me tell you, this guy, he goes through all of his rations. Like, we'll, we'll go to town. <laughs> buy a ton of rations for a big trip. He'll go through all of them, pop the tops off, gobble the desserts out, and just leave them like with the with the lids half snapped on. It's crazy. That is entirely di ridiculous, but I don't eat, so I guess that seems like appropriate behavior. But anyway, so if you can attune to one of these rods, then I might be able to cobble something together as some sort of something that would... But we need to we need to like figure out what our game plan is going forward, because Josh is getting really sleepy and he's got a flight tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. But that means that means that we're going together. How about this? We maybe we can get FP here to get in contact with four guys i we learned by the way um scale and sons is compromised oh snap so that's not good any kind of message we send has to be coded or through another means oh like uh like birthday cake <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, like birthday cake send a birthday um, cake with a message in if it. we can maybe get a cry um, to get the message directly, okay. if, if we if we can meet up with a cry, we we send a message through Scale and Sons, um, using one of the names I've used before in letters. Hopefully, that should stay under the radar as long as we don't mention anything about Four Guys Ventures and Vibes or about any one of us by name. If we can just get a hold of a cry, tell him to meet us somewhere, and then. Maybe he can handle forwarding information uh, to four guys. Maybe they can. We can kind of set up our own little supply network. 
You know what I'm saying? Because okay. I, with with I, it's going to be a lot more limited than scale and sons. But with scale and sons like this, we can't send sensitive stuff through the mail. You know, uh, letters, information, the rods, none of that. So we're going to have to find another way. And I I think maybe I I. I I think going to Gaim's too far of a detour. I, I, I think we go. I really wish I had my rod and my stuff. Maybe we can get it mailed to us by Wyvern. Hmm. Okay, Four guys so, has Wyverns. All right. Well, I think that. It is high priority for me to do whatever I can to ensure that the rods go to Udril. Well, but see, Laredith's not there. Dang it. I really hate that Gaim was compromised. DM? Yes? Um, can I have a reference to how far Udril and Gaim are from us and a, a general Udril's direction? a long ways away. Yeah. You are... You are at, um, you're basically halfway up through. Let me see if the map is, I've got is it. in here still. I don't think it's in the in my current um, stream overlay. Let me see if I've got one in the library. I can quick drop on the screen. There here. you go. I posted a link for you. Um, well, I would I would need to no, capture it in here. As well. In Discord, there's a thing over here. Yay. Uh, let's see here. And I uh. Really got to use the map. bathroom and uh, uh, out of character. <laughs> we don't seem like we have the map. Okay, I'm just going to talk about it because okay. I, I don't have it built in here. You are in the Cavorite Mountains, which are dead center in the continent yeah. of Urida. Um, right. You are about halfway north through them. You're like in the Nebraska of Urida right now. And, okay. Um, about 90 miles north of you, so like probably three days journey in the Cypher Truck, maybe four because it's mountainous terrain. Um, is the the base of that mountain range, which would put you in reach of Fladena. Um, Fladena borders the the end of the Cavorite Mountains and then stretches out a long way from there. So that's about three days travel up. To okay. get to Gaim, you're looking at about a month's travel to your right, to the east. You have to leave the Cavorite Mountains, cross some plains, go into another mountain range, and that's where Gaim is. How long you said? Um, uh, probably about a month okay. of, of doing that. Right. And then um, to your left, if you're trying to get to where Zoth grew up, you need to go through the human nation of Aspesh, which would probably take two or three weeks, and then get to the other side of the Aspen Sea, which you could do by water, because I believe your cipher truck was designed to either uh, drive over the water or mm -hmm. drive under it, one of those two. Yes. So you can go through the water, because it would be moving a little bit slower because of water resistance, whatever, call that another two or three days to get to the other side of that sea. Um, and maybe a week. Um, I don't remember exactly how big that sea is, but you get to the other side of the sea and the little like nomadic village area and Fox's commune border that sea on the other side. So you would, you would be there in probably about a month. Okay. But it's a month the opposite direction of Gaim. How about? If you went north to Udril, it would still be about a month. So like you could, you could We're do a month the out same. from everything except for three months towards Gaim. Yeah, pretty much. No, you're, you're like a week from Fladena. Well, Fladena, yeah. A couple yeah. days from Fladena. 
Um, um, and then from Floodana, you're right next to Udril, so you could get in there in another week. So like two weeks from Udril, one week from Floodana, if you wanted to meet up with Clara Albuquerque. I was about to literally just say, yep. we meet up with Clara, and maybe we can set up some sort of deal with her. Chat makes a great point that last time you were able to connect with the Black Song smugglers. Yeah, I was Clara's, thinking the Black Songs too. Um, Clara's, Ooh, Clara's bar. I forgot about them. Uh, then yeah, no, I, I think maybe Fladena is where we head to. And we can try to, I, I think once we get some information about what we have available to us, I think we can figure out more from there. Okay, so that means you're not splitting up for now. Oh, I... <laughs> I don't know, Jeb, but... Because here's the I, thing, pup. I need you. Like I said, I can't do anything right now. How about this, Jeb? Help me go find my parents. And I will... I'll stick this one through. You know I mean, what? I'm already... You know what, Fox? I am a strategist. And there are more times than not that me and Owlin have out-argued every plan that you come up with. I'll go with you. We're going to prioritize you and your parents. Okay. Okay. We can do some stuff to uh, to stash and and hide the uh, the rods here in the cart, and uh, maybe we could get you and you said FP could potentially attune to one of these. That'll get us some magic. It's gonna take us. You said like a month or so to get there. So maybe in the meantime, I can try to. I go off a of memory and maybe try to make another blunder. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll that's some time to figure book. it out. Yeah, I still got he my does book. have a spell book. Well, my backup. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe we could work with that. But you know what? You're right. Okay. Then let's do this. As you guys come to this conclusion, you hear a frantic knocking at the door. Or, uh, yeah, at the back of the, the cart. Come in? I pop my head out the bottom hatch and look. Outside Outside is, is Gunner. And he looks like he's... he. You guys dropped him off a while ago, but it looks like he's uh, been trying to catch up with you guys. Hey, Gunner <laughs> <Yeah>. went with him. <sighs> uh, um... Hello. Um, I just thought you guys would want to know. I heard through the grapevine. You know how we exploded that tower? I mean, I didn't. That, that's but gone. Yeah. It's gone. Yes. One of those things, those things that you guys are after that's, that's been causing all these problems. Apparently. Yeah. One of them was in there and it's dead. What? <laughs> And on that note, <laughs> tonight's Dungeons and Dragons session comes to a close. Thanks for hanging out, chat. Um, 
and players. Great job, especially Cleo and Wash for being in multiple scenarios. Um, Cleo's <laughs> suffering right now, and I might just be dragging this on to make it continue. I'm just kidding. Uh, we're going to go now from all of us here at the Ring Badger Tavern. GG's and GN. Goodbye. Good night. Ah!